Hello, how are you? Good, and you? I'm good, just switching over my microphone quick. If it's going to let me. Interesting. There it goes. I think it shifted over. Do, do, do. All right. Did I give you an idea of the structure of the show in our chat before? Or did I just kind of get you booked? No, just booked. <laughs> okay, cool. So kind of the way that I structure things is at the beginning, I have everyone introduce themselves in their own words, tell us who they are, what they do. And then I lean into the kings and queens journeys. So how y'all got to be doing what y'all are doing now, the actual and the actual story behind it that made you who you are today. And then after that, I'll kind of pick your brain about about real estate, uh, navigating from the business from the business you are in to what you're doing now, and different things like that about your story. And then at the end, I always ask uh, what the guests are doing to carry the weight of their crowns and take care of everything that's going on underneath. And so that includes the mindset, the internal, like what are you doing to take care of yourself physically, all that kind of thing. Because if we let all that stuff slip through the cracks, then you know. Yeah. What do we Absolutely. have left? <clears throat> totally. Perfect. Awesome. So, hey, he's already recording. My little AI guy is actually doing his job today. It's a miracle. He almost got fired. <laughs> That's good. Technology. It, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I have so many... many uh, I have like three or four different backup plans when it comes to recording these interviews. Now it's kind of ridiculous. Well, you ready? Yeah. You ready to jump in? I'm ready. Awesome. Uh, real quick, how do I pronounce your last name? Casillas. Laura Casillas Morales. So Laura yeah, Casillas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. or Casillas Morales, it's good too. My mom's going to be happy. <laughs> okay. Awesome. What's Okay, cool. What's going on, guys? It's your man here, Trey Carmichael, coming at you with another episode of Under the Crown. Today, I'm excited to bring you guys Laura Casillas Morales. Uh, what do you do and why do you do it for the people who don't know you, Laura? Thank you. Thank you, Trey. Uh, well, I do real estate. I'm a, an agent and I'm an investor too. So that's that's mainly what I, what I do right now. Awesome. So let's dive right into the queen's journey. How did you actually get to be who you are today and into this real estate world? Well, the story is, uh, goes back from where I'm from. I'm from Mexico and I grew there and I lived there most of my life. And over there, I used to own a business. So I, I kind of always... Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and trying to have my my own goals, my own vision, my dream about, uh, uh, you know, a company or, or a culture. And when we moved to the States uh, five years ago, we sold the business and I worked for a little bit when I when I was here. I had my W-2 and to be honest, I, I didn't... Uh, I mean, I like what I did, what I did, but I didn't enjoy, uh, you know, being under certain amount of uh, limits or rules. So, 
basically i just started studying listening to podcasts uh trying to educate myself to know what to do next and real estate was you know the the kind of things that that pop out and first of all it was like an investment investor uh part i i got uh i got to listen some podcast about uh investing fix and flip uh buy and hold all that stuff and that really interests me and in mexico my, my company was a uh kind of construction related company so the fix and flip just makes so much sense when i started and that's where i that's where everything begin uh and i got my license to to be able to jump into the mls and get my comps and you know have it mostly selfish for me but doing uh you know doing my transactions and uh getting to meeting uh, with other people with the same goals and and they wanted to invest so i kind of just transition into helping other people in their journey too and mostly hispanic people here in austin uh that's what i focus most of my uh my time i love that and i i definitely resonate with you wanting something that didn't put restrictions on you I think that's one of the running themes for most entrepreneurs is like we just can't get behind being in a corporate job or really any kind of actual job because we're very restricted, we're put inside of a schedule, everything's yeah. expected to be done a certain way, and the world is evolving very 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 quickly like you can't just expect something to be done a certain way and for it to remain effective as as effective as it was yesterday so i definitely yeah. resonate with that and i commend you for taking the leap into something that you know is kind of scary as some as somebody going into the real estate world i imagine looking at the statistics of how many agents fail out in their first year and yeah. stuff like that it has to be a pretty big mindset shift to want to leap into that. So that's something I kind of want to lean into. What were the mindset shifts that you had to go through after selling your business where you, like you poured into that baby for 15 years and mm -hmm. then moving into the real estate world. So like what were some of those mindset shifts that you went through internally? Well, I mean, at the beginning or or for started it was a big mindset uh shift just becoming from mexico and the culture that we have over there and growing with that uh you know with the mindset that most of us have over there uh which is a little bit uh more i would say limiting or uh, you you see your competition as bad as competition and you can't ask them anything because i mean they're competition so you're not supposed to you know trade information or whatever and coming here first of all uh it blew my mind that everyone is willing to help you and i love that i love that and i learned to internalize that and being like okay there's a world of abundance and 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 there's a lot to be uh, achieved from you know to every one of us so it doesn't mean that if i get one client you get one less client no i mean there's enough for everyone and um uh, as long as you're you know doing a, a good job on your service or or your product whatever you are into 
So as long as you're you're doing a good job and honest work and and trying to always stay like a state of the art on, on the product or service that you provide, you're gonna do good. So that that was the mind the the mindset shift. You know, there's abundance. There's a lot for everyone, and just keep watering the mindset of like, you know, everything's going to be all right if you just put the work and keep, you know, making all the work that you know it's going to bring results. So eventually it's going to come back. So that that's it. Just basically the, those uh, things reinforcing the just keep going. Everything's possible. And, and as long as you're doing what you know you need to do, it's going to be a numbers game. Awesome. I love that. So I want to lean a little bit more into the process of actually selling your business. Like, what did that decision look like? I imagine it had to be kind of an emotional process to let go of something that you had been pouring into 15 years. And ultimately, selling businesses is something that a lot of people talk about, but never actually get to make happen. So I'd love to just lean into that a little bit more. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, to be honest, at the beginning, it was scary because it was like a big change for my family. I have three kids, and my husband and me, we, we were the owners of the company. So first, make, making the decision to sell everything and move to another country was kind of, you know, scary, but we had uh, good reasons to, to try to do it. And I mean, I got consultants to help me out, you know, put a price on the on the company, and we started to target another uh, businessman and businesswoman over there to present the the company. And I'm kind of like a person that just whatever it needs to be done, it needs to be done, and you have to do it. And I us usually do that and then deal with the motions. So for me, that one was stressful because we, we have a time frame to sell it, to, to make it fit into our family plan. So we were very aggressive, uh, you know, letting people know that we were selling and presenting all the, the you know, the project, the numbers. Uh, that, that was time consuming and energy consuming, but at the end we got, uh, we agree with a, with another business person to to sell the the property in some terms that were more beneficial uh I believe to them than for us but the, I mean I, right now I would do things differently first of all I would have uh tried to keep some part of the business you know be a partner instead of just selling everything uh that's something that I recommend everyone that it's transition or selling a business just to consider and when we sold it, the, I think the hardest part was just say goodbye to the people that were working with me. I, I mean, I never put a thought about it, but when we closed and we were uh, presenting the transition because it was it was under the water, no one knew that uh, in the company that the, the company was being sold. So just to speak with them, it, it broke me. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't speak. I I had to cut my words and I, it was very emotional because it's a dream that you start and it grew more than we thought about it. And 
it's hard. It's hard to to live, uh, you know, 15 years of doing something and and knowing people that work with you and help you accomplish your dreams. That's mm. that's kind of tough. Yeah. So how did you actually approach those conversations? Those are the hard conversations that entrepreneurs don't necessarily want to have, but they inevitably do have to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we we knew by name and uh, we, we weren't that uh, like a huge hundreds of people uh, company. We were about 25 at the end. And uh, so at the beginning, I talked to everyone like, hey, help, thank you very much. Uh, this is you helped me uh, going through the good times and the bad times, and we build this together. And we should be proud of all the work that we have, you know, put into this project. And things are gonna be okay. You're you're gonna have a, a new ownership in the in the company, but he has the same values and and the same vision, or even a bigger one than probably I had. So that was it. That that was the point where I couldn't keep talking. So at the end, I just approached everyone and just say goodbye, give them a hug, and because I really I really care about this people. I keep in touch with some of them, and uh, it's hard to be honest because they become family. They really do. Whenever you whenever you actually pour into your company culture and the people that you work with, they very much do become your family. And a lot of the times as the entrepreneur, we even end up spending more time with the people that we're building our business with in our family at times. So I, uh, I, I just want to say that I appreciate you uh, being willing to have that vulnerable conversation about that because a lot of entrepreneurs, that's the that's the things that they want to hide from, avoid, and act like they act like it's not even going to happen. So, these are the yeah. real and raw conversations that people that are considering this life like they really need to hear these aspects of it and these and these things that we have to deal with as entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, it's it's important to to talk to them and let them know that, you know, the company, obviously you choose the, the, the company or the other uh, buyer, the new ownership, and it has to align. It has to align a little bit with, or most of it with what you think or your goals. You don't want to just throw everything under the bus and, and now I'm gone. So good, good luck guys. So we, we took care of that too. And that was important for them. I just, it kind of like, you know, it, it went so fast that I I didn't imagine it was going to be that tough. And uh, I just, I was just operating under a lot of pressure and, and stress and trying to make things happen. So at the end, it was, it, it got me, it got me by surprise to feel that way in front of, uh, in front of them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for, thank you so much for sharing that authentic side of entrepreneurship so let's lean a little bit more into the real estate side of things once you got here and started moving more into that world how did you actually go about selecting the brokerage to hang your license at oh i got i i interviewed with uh three brokerage and uh my main 
objective when I got my license. It was, like I mentioned, do my fix and flips and do my comps. So I picked uh, a broker that is uh, very open into investing, and he they encouraged us to buy real estate, uh, you know, not, not just, not just represent others. So, and they were very open to the idea that I was just going to jump in to get access to the MLS and doing my comps and represent myself in the buying and the selling. And they were cool about it. They were like, look, there's no pressure. You can do whatever you want. Uh, I mean, as long as you're happy, that's okay to us. So, I've learned a lot from them. They they always try to teach us different strategies to invest in real estate. So that's something that I uh, appreciate a lot. But basically, the the you know the openness to let me do whatever I want was what's why I picked them because I know there are other brokers that uh, demand more work or more uh, hours or results. But these guys, they were like, you know what? I mean, as long as you're happy, we're happy. So Awesome. I love Jumping. that. And that's yeah. very rare in the, the real estate brokerage space. When you have all of these mega brokerages that have all of their branding specifications, that their logo always has to be bigger. You have to meet these quotas, yeah. like all these different things. So that is one of the most important things to consider when you're looking for when you're real, looking for your real estate broker. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to be honest, they they were the ones who started, you know, encouraging us. Like, you know, the Hispanic community needs uh, needs to have more attention. So we've been they encourage us. They encourage me and other uh, people over there to start uh, all the brokerage in Spanish. So we we are pretty big on that we have uh, we started a podcast to educate people because it's, the system is very different from from other countries to the states the the process of buying a house is very different and uh the the products that you have here like to buy a house the loans that exist here they're not in other countries so we need to you know spread the message to to our community and i love it I love it. I love that project that keeps me motivated and very excited about it. Awesome. I love that. Let's actually lean a little bit more into that. I know from the marketing agency perspective and business consulting perspective, I have worked with very, very, very few companies that actually have any kind of Hispanic, Spanish-speaking department to serve that market. So I'd really love to hear about what the process you, you went through to start bringing that to that market looked like in a little bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, it, it was like they were open and they lent us all the marketing uh, people that worked there they're working and they are committed to our project too, the Hispanic uh, community project. So what I did is like, okay, when I moved to the States, what did I realize that it was different? So I started to write down, like, I remember, I mean, it was when we bought our house in the, the first house we bought, it was a different, different uh, process. 
it meant it meant uh, completely different things in in language barriers and and all that stuff. So, for example, we were under contract, and I wasn't aware that we were under contract. So we we didn't celebrate until like three days after we got our 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 offer accepted, and that was like I don't know four years three years ago. So I was like, okay. This can't happen. I mean, I speak English, and and this happened to me. What's happening to everyone that, you know, they're limit, uh, they're a little bit more limited in the English part. So, I started writing down everything that I, all the ideas that I uh, had, and I started, you know, just making videos and some other uh, realtors over there in in PRE. They're doing the same in Spanish. So now we have. The Facebook group, we have a podcast, we have a Instagram, we have a YouTube channel. We're trying to educate and encourage people to to grow their wealth through real estate in Spanish. Awesome, I love that. So let's let's lean into some of your favorite investing strategies for a minute. What are what are your favorite ways to go in and actually monetize real estate for yourself? Okay, well, the the one that I have done more it's a fix and flip, and that's kind of we should see that as a work or as a job, not because you don't you don't uh, create wealth if you sell the property. But recently, I was just so intrigued by house hacking, which is you live in a part of your house and you rent another part, so it it. It's an easier way to jump in if you don't have a lot of capital or if you don't want to risk a lot of, uh, you know, if, if your risk tolerance is it's a little bit smaller. So what we did is uh, I have three kids, like I mentioned. So I didn't want to have any strangers in my house. So we turned the garage into a studio, an Airbnb, and we put a different entrance and we're renting that out, and it's been, thank God, it's been booked, uh, you know, like most of the year. So that's that's a good strategy for someone that has a low risk tolerance to start house hacking. And uh, that's what I was doing, and I'm gonna keep doing the fix and flips. But this time, instead of uh, instead of selling, we're gonna refinance the property and just keep it as a rental. Now that we have, you know, a cushion to do that. That makes sense. Well, how do you find properties that are worth fixing and flipping up? What what does that process look like? Well, a lot of relationships. I I assist. I, I go to a lot of uh, networking events where uh, other investors gather. Uh, wholesalers. You need to look for wholesalers. Uh, also, in the MLS, you can find properties and uh, you can negotiate right now a little bit more than the last two years, but you can be pretty aggressive on, on the offers and some of them just, you know, they are willing to, to accept that. Yeah. That's that's what I do. There's other ways. I mean, there's driving for dollars. There's, uh, you know, cold calling or uh, text message. There are different uh, banded sides. There's a lot of ways to do it. That's the way I do it. Just you know, with with wholesalers. Awesome. 
So you've referenced your network and the relationships you've had being very important a few times throughout our interactions. What strategies have you implemented to actually build up your network and connect with an array of the people, the vast array of people that you need as a realtor? Okay, well, the meetups are a big thing. And um, so I, I try to go at least twice a month to to some meetups. Also, if you have the, the Chamber of Commerce on your local area, that's a good way to, you know, be present and stay stay over there. Uh, that's mostly where I where I meet people. And well, I play soccer, so also I meet people <laughs> in the field. So that's another way. If if you if you have your hobby, you can combine it uh, and and meet people, and you know, that way you can grow your your. Uh, your network network mm -hmm. absolutely that is one of the biggest things for most entrepreneurs is they kind of spend all this time on social media and they wonder why is my network not growing why is my network not growing but they're not actually going out and shaking any hands yeah so yeah I, I and that's value mm -hmm. i'm sorry what were you saying Oh yeah, and I—I I mean, when you meet someone, just what, what my mindset is is like, okay, let me see what I can do for them. Okay, let me how can I serve them, and and try to be honest on that, and like, you know, hey, I always come, and 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 it's a stressful. I'm not saying it's easy for me or anything, but you just shake a hand and hey, this is me. What are you doing here? Uh, where are you coming from? Or what are your goals? Can I help you with something? And just being real and honest and probably you're not going to hear from them, you know, or you're not going to get uh, any business from them right now, but probably, I don't know, five years from now, they can connect you to someone else or, or, you know, you never know. Just keep the doors open. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned that too. Some of the biggest clients that we have, some of the most valuable relationships that I have came three, four years after making the connection with somebody. It doesn't always happen right now. And ultimately the fortune and all the riches and all these things that entrepreneurs want, it comes from the compounding relationships and just building up that network. So we're coming to the end of our time here today. So what I always like to ask everyone at the end is how do you actually carry the weight of your crown and take care of everything that's going that's going on on a day to day basis. Yeah, well, I start uh, I start early. I go to the CrossFit class or CrossFit at five a.m. Come back, take care of the kids. Uh, you know, breakfast, take them to school. That way, I spend time with them. I talk to them while driving them, and then I come back, just uh, pray, meditate, write on my journal. With the ideas, what are gonna be the the you know the wins for the day, and uh, just setting time to work, and then setting time to to be with my family. That's important. Yeah, you have to have some form of balance, and for most entrepreneurs, that doesn't exist. So I do commend you for prioritizing that balance in your life. Thanks, thanks, and I mean it's not that. 
it's not like a constant. It, it doesn't happen every day as you plan. But I mean, if you try to get the structure, you'll get there. And some days you will miss it, but most of the days you're going to be on track or of where you want to be and who you want to be with. Awesome. The, bit, the most important thing is the consistency. And consistency doesn't always mean that it happens every day all the time. But whenever you prioritize that consistency, it's more likely that it's going to happen more of the time. And as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur, we can't, we can never guarantee that it's always going to happen, that nothing's ever going to come up during this time frame. But whenever we prioritize it and we make it actually part of the routine, then it does make it, it makes it more likely to compound than the other things. So that, yeah. that is the very, very important thing to lean into as an entrepreneur. So Laura, yeah. what is the best way for people to see more of you and get involved with you? Oh, it would be on Instagram or Facebook. Awesome. Uh, it's at, at Lau Casillas Morales. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Laura. That was a fabulous interview. Thank you. Thank you very much, Trey, and, and keep doing the great job that you're doing. Thank you.